0: Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. And today I want to talk to you in regards to Pentecost Sunday about Being no longer afraid. Uh, Growing up, I struggled with numerous fears. And uh, I failed twice in public school. That was my own doing. So what it did, though, it set in me a little bit of a pattern about failure. And some of my struggles around that. My parents fought a lot when I was young. And not only did they, they fight. Let's go to the next slide, please there we go. When my parents fought a lot, that was me. Because you don't know what's going to happen in a home when parents are fighting. The thought was they would get a divorce. When my father drank, uh, we never knew what he was going to do. And so it was a dangerous place to be and also very fearful because of what was happening in the home. And we wondered what would happen to us if our family fell apart. I was also afraid of things that go bump in the night. I remember, just as a young boy, we were out, we, my parents splurged with another family. We went to a ski resort in London. I am not a skier. As a matter of fact, put me on skis and just film it because I'll be on Funniest Home Videos. It's good, something's going to happen and it's not going to be pretty. But we were there, and that night my parents said, you boys can be in one room by yourselves. So they had three boys, there was four of us. The two younger ones couldn't be in the room, so the rest of us were. And they had a little black and white TV in there at that time, and what came on that night was Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. (laughs) And so we intently watched this under the covers... Now, compared to stuff that's out there today, you might laugh at the birds, but back then in the 60s, that was a scary movie, and that scared us, so I was up all night. I was just so afraid, and then my brothers made fun of me. Another time, we were uh, at a family outing at Owen Sound in this massive, big old house that was haunted, and uh, supposedly... And so just knowing that, when you walk into there, you expect something to happen. And my brother kept me up all night so I would protect him. And so I didn't get to sleep, and finally he did. You know, fear is an interesting thing. It absolutely can cripple you, and it crippled me at times when I look back. Have you ever been paralyzed by fear? Have something ever gripped your heart and it has a hold of you in some form or fashion? There's so much research about fear, and the more I was reading about it, the more I saw how it affected all of humanity. Some people, when fear happens, they either fight or flight. They either fight or flight. One or the other's going to happen. And I do remember watching Funniest Home Videos one time, and, and uh, there was a man sitting there. It was Halloween, and he was, looked like a scarecrow or something, he was sitting there, and people came to the front door, and then he would jump. The problem was, one time when he jumped, the guy had fight, not flight, (laughs) and he punched him out (laughs) right on the video. So, So, I mean, we all react differently. What they discovered, though, with this whole thing about fear, is that many people then move into anxiety or anxiety attacks. They said, our body has cold sweats, our heart races. Some people can't sleep, they have insomnia adrenaline rushes into your body. Our pupils dilate or open one or the other. The bottom line is that as our physiology changes, our emotions change. We start to walk through these things, our minds go places that they shouldn't, and then even our spirit is affected. And so the research has shown two main things, what it boiled down to. Realistic fears and unrealistic. Realistic fears are something that are considered healthy or even wise. For example, when transport trucks are going up and down this road as fast as they go, it is a respectful, realistic fear not to go out on that highway. Correct? Running a chainsaw. Running power tools. I remember I had a little electric chainsaw given to me by my uncle and he said, I'm giving it to you because I am afraid, these were his words, that I might cut myself with the chainsaw. So he had this realistic, healthy fear of it, in other words. The other side of it though is unrealistic fears and the thing that they've discovered is they can't always pinpoint what causes this in humanity. Why we have unrealistic, uh, unhealthy fears that can't be explained. They were giving a story of one particular man who thought that wherever he went to eat, they were trying to poison him. Now, think about this. In the old days, when a king would have a cupbearer, what was the role of the cupbearer? To check to to see if the poison was in the cup. How would you like that job? Right? There's somebody in the Bible who was a cupbearer, and we know a lot about him. Who was it? Nehemiah Nehemiah was a cupbearer of the king. And his role was, buddy, if there's poison in it, you're going down first, not the king. And so the reality is that this guy actually thought wherever he went that something was going to happen to him. And so I started to look up all these different kinds of fears that humanity struggles with. One is the fear of flying, I mean, aerophobia, afraid to get on an airplane. I've I've heard of these stories, fear of being in crowds, agoraphobia. How about this one? Fear of spiders. Yeah, arachnophobia. We all know that one. Fear of bees. Apophobia. Fear of the water. That's an aquaphobia. Fear of snakes. Herpetophobia. Darkness. Nyctophobia. Cats. People afraid of cats. People afraid of dogs. People afraid of dying. And that's necrophobia. And on and on and on and on and on. I couldn't believe how many. All you got to do is go Google and, and type in types of fears, and you'll go brrr, of humanity and all these fears. And, and the thing that got me was how people wrestle with these fears, and they don't know what to do with it. They don't know how to get out of the trap. And, uh, for example, if you see a spider, this is what I highly recommend. You know, it's interesting with spiders that as we, as some of us, anyway, we see a spider, we go, ah! I'm going to hit the spider. Well, what happens if it jumps? It might land on me and kill me. Or it might turn into Spider-Man. <laughs> or Spider-Woman. I mean, just for example, or snakes. I remember when I worked in the provincial park, there's, there's something called a fox snake. I heard that. I hate snakes. Right over there. Fox snakes. A fox snake. You know what a fox snake looks like? It looks like a Mississauga rattler, but it's not a rattler. But it looks like one. And I remember this, this one day, I was working in the park at the, at the office. These people came in. They were so proud. They had this bag, and they had such a fear of snakes. They said, we killed the snake. And I said, sir, this is a provincial park. They're protected. You're not supposed to kill them. Well, it was attacking my children. <laughs> I said, why, did it bite? Well, no, but it was in our campsite, and it was attacking. It looked like it would. I thought it might. So I hit it with a shovel. I said, okay, thank you. So I took this bag, and I looked, and it was quite a large, probably about six-foot fox snake. And, of course, I was upset with the guy, and I took it, and I walked. I went through the office uh, for the secretary, and then I put it in the washroom and shut. Well, I didn't shut the door. I just sat in the washroom. Anyway, I went back to work. Secretary comes in. Goes in her office, shuts her door. I'm out there working, and I hear this scream. Unbelievable. And I open the door, and she's standing on her desk, yelling because the snake wasn't dead. Very much alive. And had crawled out of the bag, and now was in her office. And she was sitting there, and all of a sudden she saw it out of the corner of her eye. She said she moved, jumped on the wooden chair, jumped on the wooden desk in, a, in less than a, you know, twinkle of an eye. And she started yelling. She said, where'd that snake come from? I said, I, I put it in here. <laughs> but I didn't have time to explain it. She threw books at me off her desk. So I cornered the snake, and I finally got it back in the bag. Anyway, that was quite an experience. People, you know, we react. And Scripture says something about crippling fear that we are not to walk in crippling fear. Now, there's realistic and wise fear, yes, but there's also unrealistic. And so there's four areas I want, to th- want us to look at in Scripture in regards to no longer afraid. The, the one we start with is that we should have the fear of the Lord. Agreed? We should have the fear of the Lord. Deuteronomy, got a number of Scriptures here. Six thirteen says this. Fear the Lord, your God. Say that with me. Fear the Lord, your God. That's a realistic fear. Serve him only and take your oaths in his name. This fear is a healthy, it's a reverent fear for almighty God. The one who created you, created me, we're created in his image and created everything. Fear the Lord, your God. It tells us if we're willing to do this, there are many, many benefits to fearing the Lord your God. Here's just a few. Proverbs 9.10 says, Fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom. Beginning of wisdom. James says, If you lack wisdom, do ask the Lord, and he will give it abundantly. But it starts with the fear of the Lord. It starts in this place of fearing our God. And and the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Proverbs 10.27 says, The reverent... And worshipy, worshipful fear of the Lord prolongs one's days. There's an advantage, but the years of the wicked will be made short. Proverbs fifteen thirty three: Fear of God is schooled in skilled living. First, you learn humility, then you experience glory. Proverbs nineteen twenty three: The fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. And there are many, many scriptures that tell us. That the fear of the Lord is the healthy fear we should have. And sometimes I believe in my own life as a believer, do I have that fear? Do you have the respect and the fear of the Lord, the God Almighty? Do we really have deep inside this reverent respect and fear, of the Lord, the one who created is not afraid, like oh, 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 oh kind of fear. It's like respectful fear of the Lord. The Lord God Almighty, he is in control. Jason, Herb got up here and said, you know what? When I stepped out a year, the last time, all this money came in. This time I stepped out, it's not working the same. But it hasn't changed his reverence or fear of the Lord. Just because it's not going his way doesn't mean he's changed. He's still seeking the same God, right, Jason? Still going after the same Lord and still coming after us for money. No, that's what happens. That's what you do. You seek the body, and the body helps. Thank you for being a generous body, by the way. You are a very generous body. There's no way we could send all the people we do on missions. And I never thought of it before until uh, you guys are up here, the gents are up here, and they're saying, you know what, by supporting us, you're actually part of those 40,000 salvations. I went, yeah, I never thought of that. Do you ever think of that? A reverent fear of the Lord. God does amazing things when we walk in this. The second thing I came across was to fear no evil. It tells us we are not to fear. Psalm 23:4. it says, and we know it. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil. Is there evil in the world today? Absolutely. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. Somebody asked me when we were heading to Ethiopia, they said, are you worried about being in Ethiopia, I said, why should we be? Well, because of the Sudan border and everything, there's been a lot of fighting. As a matter of fact, Ethiopia itself as a country was in turmoil when they were trying to vote in a new prime minister. They have a president, but they needed a prime minister. And so they were voting in this prime minister, and once they voted this prime minister in, everything settled before we arrived. And I found out that both their president and their prime minister are born-again spirit-filled believers. Isn't that wonderful? In Ethiopia. And so, but, 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 when we went out to meet some of the people called the Afar people who, who uh, live in the deserts and so on, um, they walk around with K-47s. Like, they walk around with these guns all the time. And it's not to shoot at us. It's to shoot at anybody who tries to steal any of their livestock. But they walk around with these guns. Was I afraid? Not at all. Not at all. Because, you know why? Because I don't fear evil. Evil can do nothing to you unless you let it. If I open the door to evil, this is why, personally, I I cannot stand anything to do with horror. Anything at all to do with horror. Why would I open myself up to such evil? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, in other words, it's all around me, I will fear no evil. Why? For the Lord is with who? Yeah, who's me? Who's me? me the lord is with me your rod and your staff they comfort me proverbs 8:13 that says the fear of lord fear of the lord is hatred of evil pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech i hate the fear of the lord brings me in a different direction than the things that are opposite second timothy paul, uh, timothy was saying or paul wrote to timothy and he said this for god has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but listen to this but of power love and self-discipline so the lord says there's this fear factor over here and there's reality of faith over here are you going to live in the fear factor or are you going to live by faith are you going to face the things that come your way or are you going to face and walk with me because he said, I haven't given you this spirit of fear. In other words, the whole physiology that changes because a snake shows up or a spider shows up or all these things that can happen and do happen and we get this fear factor happening inside of us, I have to remember there's a, there's a healthy respect for certain things and other things are just an unknown. The spider is not going to jump off the wall and put its ugly little fangs into my neck. As a matter of fact, when when we were in Cambodia, at the side of the road, they were selling tarantulas in a burlap bag. They were very much alive. And people, I saw it with my own eyes, uh, this car pulled up a a Beamer, a BMW of all places, and they stopped there, and the lady opened the bag, and somebody pointed in, a hand came out, pointed in, and they took two or three out and put them in another bag and handed it to them. Now, how many of you like tarantulas? <laughs> you know, it's not exactly something you give at Christmas, right? I mean, tarantulas. And, and so I, I was watching all this, and then we went into this, what they called a restaurant, and we moved the dogs, and we moved everything else, and we sat down and stuff, and then they brought to us, guess what it was? Tarantulas. tarantulas. I happened to be sick that day, um, <laughs> which is true, I was. I, I wasn't feeling well at all, so I was sticking to to the, to the bananas and the rice and stuff, but the lady, the doctor that was with us, she looked at it two or three times, and the thing's like, <coughs> cooked, like this, you know, and so she picked it up, and she broke off a leg, snap, and then she said, well, Lord, no poison shall harm me, and she ate it, and I said, what's it taste like, she said, chicken. right, she did, she said chicken, <laughs> so I decided you either eat a spider or chicken, which do you prefer, chicken, chicken. you yeah. know, if it tastes like chicken. But she, she just walked in this, like Paul said, you don't have a spirit of fear because God's given you this power and love and self discipline. The, the third thing is not to fear man. This is huge. There's no way you would do a love feast if you were f- afraid of man. There's no way we could reach our community. There's no way we could reach Baden or New Hamburg or where we live if we walked in fear because fear will cripple us, fear of man. We're not to fear mankind and what they can do or might do to us, in deed or word, because it happens. Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Proverbs twenty-nine, twenty-five, in the message, the fear of human opinion disables. Oh, isn't that true? Trusting in God protects you from that. Whom shall I fear. So when you're out sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, whom shall you fear? When you're telling people and you're going to pray for them, whom shall you fear? When you meet them on the street, whom shall you fear? You will not fear, I will not fear mankind, what mankind can do. And, and what it says there about human opinion disabled, because you and I are all about what does somebody else think? What would they think about this? And we view sometimes our lives through other people's eyes instead of the Lord's. And he says clearly here that you and I are not to walk that out. Whom shall we be afraid of? As I've been reading, uh, I've got this, just this last chapter to read of this very thick book about Brother Yong and what happened to him, uh, uh, the heavenly man, what happened to him in China. He is, you read the story, you can hardly believe it. The things they did to him. That he shouldn't even be alive. What the Chinese government did to him in prison. I mean, it's horrific to read. It's like reading the book of martyrs. And yet what I saw over and over as reading this, he was like this. He was like, I'm not afraid what man can do to me. As a matter of fact, the man who was taking me around, uh, taking our whole team in Ethiopia, his name was Garet, and the last day I did some teaching in the morning, I had the afternoon with him before I got to the airport to fly back, and when we were driving around, we were talking, we went to this place to have some ice cream, real ice cream. And we're sitting there talking, and he said, he said you know, Rob, he says I know when I'm going to die. I said, what? He says, yeah, I know exactly when I'm going to die. I said, how do you know that? He says, the day God's done with me is the day I'll die. He says, I know exactly when I'm going to die. And I said, Gareth, you're like nuts, you know? But But it's true. And then he said, you know, he said, I thought I'd die in prison. I said, you were in prison? He says, I've been in prison three times. He says, I've been beaten in prison. They tried to stab me in prison. They did all these horrific things to me in prison. But whom shall I fear? To die is to gain. And you and I get caught up sometimes in what people might say. You're a Christian, ha, ha, ha. Oh, you're one of those people. And so as society is trying to push us out, God is saying, push in. Do not be afraid to step out and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do not be afraid to tell people the good news. Do not be afraid to lay hands on the sick. Do not be afraid to do the things that God's called the body of Christ to do, for he is with us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Greater is he that is in us than he that's in this world. Amen? So the scripture is clear. We're not to walk in the fear of man. The fourth thing that stood out in scripture is to fear no terror of night. Oh, the nighttime. Oh, the nighttime. We're not to fear the night, what we perceive to be there or not. Psalm 91, verse 5, the first uh, verse 5, first of it says, you will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness. The message says, fear nothing, not wild wolves in the night, not flying arrows in the day, not disease that prowls through the darkness. Scripture tells us to fear the Lord, but we're not to enter into all these other fears. And so there's realistic fears. And what's the other one? unrealistic fears. What's a realistic fear? What's a realistic fear? I want to make sure you got this. What's a realistic fear? Fear of the Lord, definitely. Fear of falling. Well, if you're on a cliff and somebody said, oh, I don't go on an airplane because you might get killed and you drive on the 401. You know, it's like It's just amazing what what we have fears of. And and so the Lord's been speaking to me, and I hope to you about this, that we're to fear him only. And we can be assured about fearing nothing as he moves us from fear to faith. And so how does he do that? There's two things. The first one is by assuring us that he is with us, that the Lord your God is with you. Every one of you sitting here today, the Lord your God is with you. Did you know he says, I put my angels in charge of you? His angels are watching over us. There's times when I've done things and I thought, oh, that poor angel that was watching over me in that one. Poor thing. You know, it's like like God says, I'm with you. I'm with you. He is with us. Fear not. There is nothing to fear. It says in the Amplified from Isaiah 41.10. For I am where? With With you. Say it again. With you. Do not look around. Don't look around in terror and be dismayed. I'm your God. Don't don't freak out about this stuff, in other words. I will strengthen and harden you to difficulties. I love that. I will strengthen you and harden you to difficulties. If we're not going through difficulties as believers, then I wonder sometimes, what is our faith? I'm not saying all the time, but boy, oh boy, we go through them. Do you agree? There's all kinds of stuff we walk through, but the Lord says, fear not, I'm right there with you. I'm walking right beside you. I am your God. I will strengthen and harden you to these things. Yes, I will not only do that, I will help you. Yes, I will hold you up. He says, I've carved you in the palm of my hand, and nothing can take you from there. Nothing can snatch us from the palm of my hand. Isn't that exciting? Just to know right now, I don't know how that all happens. I can't figure that all out. But that's what his word says. So if that's what his word says, that's the way it is. So if you're sitting here today and you think you're separate from God and you know Christ, you're not. You're right in the palm of his hand. He says, I got you. You're safe. I got you. But I'm going through this and that. Yeah, but I still got you. But this is happening to my family. Yes, but I still got you. I'm out of work right now. Yeah, but I still got you. I got a hold of you. Don't worry. I'm right there with you. I am with you. I will hold you up, retain you, my victorious right hand of righteousness and justice. He is right there with us in the thick of the battle in every situation. When the enemy wants us to walk in fear, God says, walk in faith because I am with you. I am the Lord your God. When I listen to the says, tell me this story, do you know how expensive houses are in Hawaii? Well, well, yeah, well, neither did I know that until I asked and I said, how much do they want for that house? Like that's worse than Kitchener and Kitchener's bad enough. And I said, do you guys have any, did they have any down payment for this? No, none. But did God start to provide? Yes. Have they got there yet? No. But they're stepping out in faith. They're not afraid of the situation because they know God is with them. In the New Testament, the Lord spoke to Paul, the Apostle Paul in in Corinthians, when he was making a decision, Acts 8, 9, and 10. It says this, one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. So God speaks to us in visions and dreams, and he told them, don't be afraid, exclamation mark. Say that with me. Don't be afraid. Because Paul's like, I'm not sure. Don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent. If there's ever a word for the church, there it is. Church, don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent. This is the word the Lord brings us. He says, for I am with you, no one will harm you. He's talking about Corinth. No one will harm you because many people in this city belong to me. You see, we don't know what God's already doing. We don't know what God's doing in the midst. If I don't speak out in that situation, I have no idea. If we don't speak out the word of the Lord, we don't know what God's already doing. And he's waiting for us to jump in. But we're afraid, or we're worried, or we're concerned about the situation. God says, speak up, don't be afraid. I'm already there. I've gone before you and prepared the way. Isn't that what Jesus said? He says, I go before you always, the scripture says, and my glory is your rear guard. I don't know about you, but that is just such a a pocket place to be. And yet he's saying to me and to you, don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent about who I am, for I am with you and this city belongs to me. So firstly, he assures us that he is with us. Secondly, he assures us that he is in us. He is in us. Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday. There are certain times in the church calendar that there's great celebrations. For some reason, I don't know what it is. We're huge about Easter, obviously. We're huge about Christmas. But Pentecost just sort of slides in and out. But I want to tell you, if it wasn't for Pentecost, where, there wouldn't be a church. If it wasn't for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, there would be no church. And so the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was the birthing of the church, and the releasing of the church was persecution. Because without those two, we wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't be living out the life of faith we have without the power of the Holy Spirit, because we know He is with us, but also He is in us. Pentecost Sunday, according to the Jewish calendar of the many feasts, Pentecost was referred to as first fruits of the harvest, according to the Jewish calendar. A 50-day, it was appointed time, starting on a Sunday during Passover, when Jesus, Yeshua, rose from the dead and ending exactly 50 days later, Pentecost. And so all these people had gathered for Pentecost because it was a Jewish feast. So they had Jewish feasts that they celebrate, like we celebrate certain times of the year as believers and what it means to us. And so that's what they were doing. And I thought, how full of fear, I wonder the disciples. You know, when I think about them, if, if, even though Scripture says all the stuff about fear, if you're walking with Jesus and you see him arrested, and you see him going through what he went through, and you see him tortured, and you see him crucified, and you see him die, as the women did, and John, I don't know about you, but I'd be full of fear. I already knew what the Romans could do because you live under that persecution. You saw it with your own eyes. And right there in front of you, the Son of God, who continued to say He was, dies. As a matter of fact, it tells us in Mark fourteen fifty one 51-52, that when they arrested Jesus, they all scattered, and one man, and who was John Mark, he ran away only wearing a loincloth, and he ran away naked. <laughs> Peter... In fear denies him because he's afraid what's going to happen to him. I wonder in my life years, do we ever deny Jesus because we're afraid of what might happen? We're afraid of what might happen to us so we don't speak up about Jesus. Peter denied him three times, just as Jesus said he would, but he was full of fear. And they all disappeared except John. We know that John was there because when you read the Gospels, we know that. We know the women were there. God bless the women. Even though they were afraid, they wanted to be there. But I don't know about you, but people, when they have fears, words don't always comfort. Words don't always strengthen. Words don't always fill the voids in those moments. And so John 20, 19 to 23, we see exactly how the disciples were reacting. I want to read it to you. John 20, 19 to 23. And this is what happens To them, before Jesus appears, so if they're walking in fears, that means we can too. It says, "On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, they themselves were Jewish, but they were afraid of what the Sanhedrin could do. If they had the power to have Jesus crucified, what in the world would they do to us?" We saw what Jesus did. What are they going to do to us? So they're hiding behind a locked door. And Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. In other words, they had anything but peace. After he said this, he showed to them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus says to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Wait a minute. Whoa, stop right there, Jesus. You just showed up out of nowhere, and we're all freaking out. You know, "Ah!" Jesus just shows up, and he says, peace, peace, peace be with you. And then they're behind locked doors, afraid of the Jews. And then Jesus says, "Now I'm sending you. Whoa, where are you sending us? You mean we got to go through that locked door? You mean we got to face the Jews? You see, the Holy Spirit comes to us, and he says, I have filled you, that you will go out of the locked doors, that you will walk out, and you will do the things I've called you to do. And all of us in here are called. And praise the Lord, we are. And the Holy Spirit, in this moment, Jesus continues. And then it says this, and with that, he breathed on them. So he's, he's not sending us out by ourselves. He says, I'm with you, but I'm also in you. Says and with his, he breathed on them and he said, "Receive the Holy Spirit." Receive the Holy Spirit. In the Greek, "receive" here has to do with a continuous flow of receiving. It's like drinking. Do you ever get dry? You ever get dry? Anybody dry right now? Would you like some? I can help you. It's an early baptism. continually, continually. You're doing stuff. You get thirsty, naturally. You get something to drink. Right here, what Jesus is doing, he says, receive. And so this is a continuous movement of his spirit that you and I receive. It's not a one-shot deal. It's not a one-shot deal. It's an ongoing work. I was reading some stuff of Martin Luther, and you maybe heard this, but he was the one who, who actually coined the phrase in what I was reading. It said, at one point in his life, full of the Holy Spirit. He was asking for more of the Holy Spirit, and he said these words, because I leak. In other words, stuff happens in my life, and I'm not full of the Spirit the way I should be. Jesus says right here, receive, and he breathes on them, and they receive, excuse me, and they receive the Holy Spirit, but he doesn't leave it there. He says, if, now, this is interesting, he says, if you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, you are not forgiven. Because you and I are sharing with people who walk in sin, just as we do. From time to time when sin wants to take over. And if someone doesn't know Christ, they are lost without Jesus. When you come to know Christ, you begin to deal with sin in your life because you don't want to walk in that. As a matter of fact, Scripture says we're no longer the same. We're different people. So when you come to Christ, you go through those doors of life and you start to reach out only because we receive the Holy Spirit. And Jesus constantly talked about this, especially in John uh, 16 and 17, where he talks about the Holy Spirit coming. And he's saying, you know what? God is with us, but now God's going to be in you. They're thinking is Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there are certain times where the Holy Spirit rose up and you see people operating in things of spirit, like Samson. When he asked God one more time to give him strength to knock those pillars down to kill all the Philistines, this is moments of the Holy Spirit. We see it all through the Old Testament. Now in the New Testament, they're living in Old Testament thinking. Let's move out of Old Testament thinking and think in the New Testament of what the Holy Spirit is doing today and how the Holy Spirit is on the move and how he is not only with us, he is in us. And he wants to breathe upon us again his Holy Spirit so that the presence of the living God and the power is right there. And so for 40 days, Jesus continued on this appearance journey. Scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 6, that he appeared more than 500 of the believers, more than 500 of the believers before he was taken up into heaven. And then Acts, we see these words before this happened, in Acts chapter 1. And so Jesus has come to them. He's breathed on them, but there's still more to come. And then he says this in Acts chapter 1, he says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about, the Holy Spirit. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Would they be baptized with the Holy Spirit? Yes or no? Yes. You will be baptized baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Because that was their, their thinking. And then he responds like this. He says, it's not for you to know. It's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But, <laughs> he comes back to the same point, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be. So the, there's a purpose for the power. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Kona. You know, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And Jesus has said the same thing to us today. He said, I have filled you with my spirit. Never doing things on my own, but in the Spirit. Supernatural work of God with the infilling and power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we see happening when the Holy Spirit fell in Acts chapter 2. And the same man who totally was afraid, totally fearful, who denied Jesus three times, is now the same guy that gets up and preaches the very first sermon to the very first church where 3,000 people got saved. Hallelujah. Talk about an influx. What would you do with that? 3,000 people. And this same man who was so afraid and denied Jesus is now standing up preaching for Jesus. Now that's the power of the Holy Spirit. That is not the work of any man. That is the infilling and the working of God's Spirit. And fear seemed to no longer matter. Even though they came to a point in Acts chapter 8 and Saul is there who became Paul. And they stoned Stephen Because the the church was growing. The early church was growing and and taking over parts of Jerusalem. And this was creating quite a stir that people did not handle. And Peter and John were taken before the Sanhedrin. First time threatened, second time beaten. And they rejoiced in this. Now these are the same people, think about this. These are the same people when Jesus was arrested, scattered. Because they were full of fear. These are the same people who are now standing up saying, Do what you want to me. It's all about Jesus. Now, I want to tell you if we start living that radical, the world is going to be different. Your world is going to be different. People around you are going to be different. And you say, Well, if I say anything about Jesus, I could lose my job. Well, I think that's going to happen more and more. I really do. I really do. I pray a lot, April and I pray a lot for our grandchildren. Because the line that Canada's on, God's got to intervene. And you know how he's going to do it? Because we're going to pray, and it's going to be the power of the Holy Spirit. It's going to be the work of God. It's not going to be anything we do. We can do the love feasts, for example. I think it's a great idea. But if they're not filled with the Spirit, if they're not directed by the Spirit, and if we're not sharing the gospel, then all we're doing is social gospel. And I saw the United Church of Canada do social gospel, and I watched them go down the tubes. And today, anybody who stands up for Jesus in that area is persecuted by the United Church. And we're no different. Our name is Evangelical Missionary. Anything we do is evangelical and is mission. But in the power of the Spirit. If it's not the power of the Spirit, I don't want any part of it. If it's not the fullness of the Spirit, what do we think we're doing? Because even these men and women who are so afraid, now filled with the Spirit, are the very ones who God used to start the movement called the Way the Church. That's us. How about you? Does anybody get excited about this? <laughs> Does anybody get just like, man, oh man, we can take the mountain? I'm in the, I'm in part of the Caleb club. You know the Caleb club? That's the older guys and women. Because Caleb, when he was 85, he went to Joshua and he said, look, 40 years ago when I was 45 years old, I was promised some land. And now I'm 85, but I'm just as strong as I was then. And I'm ready to take the land. I don't care how big the giants are, they're going to fall under my God. Oh, hallelujah. Rise up, church. Rise up. Let's rise up, let the Holy Spirit breathe on us, let the fears fall away, and let's be the bold body of Christ that he's called us to be because he brings transformation and chains that every chain is broken, every fear falls off, anxieties are destroyed, and we see the power of God working in a way we've never seen before. That is the Lord our God who is more than able to do all things for all things are possible with him. And so we pray for our loved ones. We pray for people who are lost. We pray for our neighbors. We reach out. We do stuff. And are we afraid sometimes? Yes, we are. But I want to tell you, you don't need to be afraid. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. People say, you're crazy following Jesus. No, I have a sound mind now. I used to be crazy. I met Jesus. Now I have a sound mind. You don't have any love. You're judging. As a matter of fact, I used to judge. I don't judge anymore. I love. Are you trying to do this in your own strength? No way, man. But in the power of the living God. And that's the only way. Thanks for listening online with us. We trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.